This is a trigger warning that will be placed at the beginning of every episode of The Radiant. This series contains mentions of religious trauma, ritualistic abuse, the occult, and suicide. If you are sensitive to any of these subjects, please refrain from listening to this series. Welcome to episode two of the story of Ellie Felt and the cult of the small town of Derny, New Hampshire. Welcome back to The Radiant. January 4th, 2013. Pansy approached me this morning. She told me there is a ritual this evening, and the chapel would not happen at all today. However, I'd still have to socialize with some of the other members, at the very least. She told me that the ritual would happen before midnight, at... At 11 tonight, on the dot. I am getting used to the new house now. There's a family of raccoons or opossums, something of that matter, living in the huge dumpster they have just past my house. At least they have a lavish life in this place. On the bright side, the bed is becoming more comfortable. Last night, it was a bit too firm, but that's probably just how long it hasn't been used. I figured I'd meet with some of the other people in the youth group. The older adults know I'm an adult as well, they just think that the youth group isn't mature enough. Or that we're not strong in our faith or some bullshit like that. There's a free day in the main building for the kids and young adults. Board games, book club, free gym. It felt like some kind of demented Bible camp. So I walked to the gymnasium of the settlement and opened the door the hinges barely holding the door to the frame, making a horrible squeaking noise as it moved. The gym itself looked like any ordinary elementary school gymnasium. A stage sat at the end of the room, and the wall it was against was lined with a colorful rock climbing wall. The squeak of sneakers and the thumps of volleyballs and basketballs filled the room, and there was a volleyball net up in the center, with a few young boys and girls playing volleyball. I was able to see an upstairs portion of the gym, which had a railing with clicks of table tennis, pool, and air hockey audible from the balcony. At the end of the gym, a few young boys were playing some game involving the single basketball hoop that hung from the ceiling. Old church pews line one side of the long walls, as a few kids tie up the laces of their old roller skates and tennis shoes aside from them. As a few kids had a limbo stick up nearby, some others going under in their new, now tied, roller skates, a couple of the older boys, about my age, sat in the corner, one of them holding a soda bottle and the other holding a small, ornate bowl filled with chocolate ice cream. So I approached them, assuming they'd be in my small group. The one holding the bowl had warm, tawny skin and tightly curled, chestnut-brown hair. He had the same face, shape, and nose as Celia, and I assume this was her son. Hey, you're in our group, right? Oh, yeah, I am. Uh, sorry, I never caught your names. I'm Ellie, though you probably already know that because of Celia telling pretty much everyone on the planet. <laughs> well, that's my mom for you. I'm Marcus. I'm his boyfriend. You met my mom and my sister, right? Yeah, you must be Jack, then. Oh, that's your name, right? I didn't remember it wrong. That's me. Hey, you know what? We'll take town trip duty tonight, and you can come with us after the ritual and everything. We'll even get you a new phone. Why would I need a new phone? I have one already. Well, 
during the ritual, they kind of burn any form of contact with the outside world, especially electronics. It's dumb, but we conned mom into letting us take town trip duty. We obviously have phones, they're just prepaid ones. That's definitely a good reason to get a new phone, yeah. Don't worry about it. We have the settlement card, so they don't need to know what we're spending it on. We do this for all the kids when they're older. So, Jack, Marcus, and I walked to the staircase doorway. It was dark in there, despite it being just about noon, but we were still able to see. We made our way to the balcony, the spiraling staircase, and the smell of way too much air freshener dizzying me a bit. The heavy steel door opened to see kids playing around, some dropping kickballs for their friends to throw back and forth between them. We, on the other hand, played pool and some of the other games on the balcony for a while, not having much else to do before dinner. I wasn't hungry, and it seemed Jack and Marcus weren't either, so we stayed on the balcony until dinner was called over the intercoms that were placed 60 yards or so along the main street. They were in just about every building besides the homes as well. Hadley's voice rings over as I hear. Good evening, everyone. I'm excited to announce that dinner will be served in 10 minutes. And it's Nadia's famous shepherd's pie, so please hurry to the cafeteria so we can all eat and begin Ellie's indoctrination, which is mandatory for all adults to attend. Again, dinner is served in 10 minutes in the cafeteria. See you then. It was as if we were being dismissed from a class to go and eat. So as we walked down the spiral staircase once again, my head felt even worse than it did before. I felt like my stomach was on the floor and my head was in the clouds, and as a result, I threw up on my way to the cafeteria, my breakfast soaking into the dirt path as we walked past the main buildings of the compound. But I was able to continue following the boys to the cafeteria, still shaking a bit after hurling my yogurt and granola onto the ground. I entered the cafeteria with them, sitting in the section of young adults. Their cafeteria seating had a similar system to that of a school. Each table is organized and admitted by age group to get their servings of food, although you do serve yourself rather than someone in a hairnet and an apron handing it to you on a hard plastic tray. After about an hour, the other lines went through, finally getting to us. The plates were hot, most likely coming straight from the dishwasher, I thought as I sat down in my section. Soon, a person a bit younger than me sat right across from me as I ate my serving of shepherd's pie and steamed veggies. They were short, and it seemed as though they were avoiding talking with anyone around them. As I noticed their short black hair being nearly the same color of their eyes, I waved at them, trying to gain their attention. I heard an old Game Boy quietly playing Pokemon Red amongst the chatter of everyone else. Hey, so you like Pokemon, huh? Uh, oh yeah, I do. Sorry, I, I didn't see you there. You're fine. What starter did you pick? Squirtle. Mm, I usually use Charmander because of the fire type. Do you have any types you like the best? They nodded, but stayed quiet after that only looking up from the Game Boy to take small bites of their food, mostly picking out the cubed carrots and peas and eating nothing else. They seemed like they were nervous, anxious, afraid of everyone around them. 
After another hour, everyone finished their food, with most of the middle and high school aged kids staying to help clean up. An older man, in about his late thirties, greeted me. He looked like an older Jack, or at least a much more tired one. We're all excited for your indoctrination, Ellie. I'll be guiding you to where the ceremony will be held this evening. He seemed like a kind man, worn down from the years of child rearing. Crow's feet sat at the outer corners of his eyes, and smile lines had begun forming. The man never told me his name, though with all the similarities of Jack, I assume this is Jane's husband. He guided me to the chapel, talking about Jack as a little boy and how he's loved his life since joining the cult. Alright, you go on ahead of me. Everyone's already inside. The chapel was filled with both familiar faces and those I couldn't recognize. The podium was replaced with a bonfire and a wooden picnic bench that sat a few feet away from the fire. There were restraints attached to the bench that hung limply from the bottom of the bench to the floor. Celia greeted me, giving me a wide smile and taking my hands in her own. Thank you so much for coming. We're glad to have you as part of our family. Would you like a drink or anything before we begin? That sounds nice, but I'll be fine. Celia kept my hand in hers as she guided me to a curtain behind the bonfire and bench. You'll have to take your shirt off for this. It requires your back being exposed. I apologize, as I realize it's embarrassing, but I assure you, you can cover up the front if needed. I turned my back to Celia and peeled off my old, paint-covered Star Wars t-shirt I had slept in the night before. Celia stepped out of the curtain while I changed, covering the front of my chest with a robe bearing the same symbol on the chapel window. After I finished, I stepped out, the cold night air of winter nipping at my shoulders and back. Welcome, everyone. As you know, we have an amazing new family member who we have greeted with open arms. However, they still must be purged of all communication with those who are unaccepting of our radiance, the filthy unbelievers. Travis walked up to Celia and handed her a few objects. She held them up in the air and soon tossed them into the fire. I could see symbols roughly carved into the screens of each item. It was my phone, my laptop, and my tablet that I was using to document some of the areas around the compound. The smell of burning plastic and electronic components hit me as I watched so much of my research and my friends on the outside melt away before me. Another man, about Travis's age, guided me to the bench and pushed me down so I laid on my stomach. Even the wood that had been sitting in front of the fire was cold, though I could feel the heat burning my skin on the right. He restrained my wrist and I resisted. I felt scared, unsafe. But he soon restrained my head and legs so I wouldn't be able to move. Welcome, my loves, to the purification of Ellie Cameron Felt. I felt a burning sensation begin between my shoulder blades, and my back arched slightly. I tracked the blade in my head and felt the burning rounding out into a circle. He was cutting the same symbol into my back, a purification symbol. 
I felt tears run down my cheeks as I heard the burning wood move, as if someone pushed an object into the base of the fire and pulled it out. They let the object cool, and I couldn't turn my head to see what it was. Celia approached me, placing her hand on my lower back and reciting something that I couldn't understand. Then, the burning became worse. I kicked and cried, but felt nothing but pain encompass the back half of my body. The crowd, who had already begun clapping, erupted into cheers, roars, whistles, and the stomping of feet on the concrete floor. Eventually, the restraint on my head was lifted, and Celia knelt in front of me, wiping the tears from my cheeks. I know it hurts, darling. But purification of the outside world is a burden you have to bear. Drink up. She held a glass that glimmered in the light of the fire. It gave off a smell of spice and smoke. I reluctantly leaned my head towards the glass, and Celia tilted my head back to help me drink it. I could taste the essence of burnt. The ashes of the fire were in some kind of alcohol and I presume they were in my cuts as well. Celia took the glass away from my lips and grinned, standing up to face a roaring crowd of cultists. She took a drink herself, smashing the cup on the ground in front of her. It splashed into my face, causing me to flinch. Soon, I felt my restraints loosen and heard the metal clasp smack the hard floor of the chapel. Then I stood, still pressing the robe to my chest, even though I could barely move my arms. Pansy escorted me behind the curtain again and began to bandage up the cuts on my back. Congratulations, Ellie. I'm so proud of you. Purification is not an easy task, but you're so strong. I know it hurts, but I promise you'll feel better after tonight. Go home. Get some rest. Thank you, Pansy, so much. Uh, do I have to stay for anything else? You're free as a bird, sweetheart. Sleep well, okay? She took my face in her hands and pressed a kiss to my forehead, like a loving mother would a child. I wrapped the robe around myself, still feeling the sting of the symbol carved into my back. I said goodnight to Pansy and walked towards the entrance of the church, a few younger kids tugging at my robe and reaching out for a high five as their parents congratulated me. But at that moment, I realized those kids... They would never have to go through the ritual. They were born pure. I walked back to my home and locked the door behind me, kicking off my shoes. As I walked over to the bed, I lied on my stomach, realizing I'd have nothing but agony trying to lie on my back. Then I heard it. The pounding and scratching at my door. The breathing. Something was waiting for me outside. I heard heavy footsteps around the small house. It wasn't human. A bear, maybe? No, there wouldn't be a bear so close to an area packed with humans. Then came a growl and the rattling of my doorknob. I realized how lucky I am for locking my door. It would have gotten in if I wasn't careful. The noises, they were terrifying. They continued for hours, nearly until dawn. I couldn't sleep. Not with that waiting for me to step outside. 
The Radiant is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. This episode was written, directed, and produced by Preston Pierce. This episode's script was edited by River Topler. The narrator is voiced by Preston Pierce, Ellie Felt, voiced by Val West, Pansy Kemp, voiced by Frog Maxwell, Marcus Warner, voiced by Logan Alexis Hoffer, Jack Mendez, voiced by Luca Miller, Hadley Barnett, voiced by Paris B., Ty Atkinson, voiced by Aim Ghost, and Travis Mendez, voiced by Rue Dickey, and Celia Warner, voiced by Juno Miller.